You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. This is BGN Radio. I am Jimmy Kempsky from phillyforce.com. And with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG, from Bleeding Green Nation. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, you went with all three names this week here. <laughs> I didn't want to offend you this time. It's fine. I'm not offended. It's fine. Uh, I, I like either way. Here with you, of course, on BGN Radio episode 93. I'll just say from the top. How are you feeling today? Well, before I get to that, Jimmy, I will ask the people just, you know, subscribe download, rate, review. It'll help me feel better because right now I just feel kind of mediocre. And you know what else uh, feels kind of mediocre, Jimmy? Do you know the answer to the question? The Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, wow. What a, what a, I can't believe you got that on your first <laughs> guess. Yeah. The Eagles, Jimmy, uh, they're, they're not so great right now. They are 5-5 five and five this season now through 10 games. They're 16th in point differential. So you could really argue they're like perfectly mediocre. <laughs> what is their point differential? Um, it's like plus four, I believe. Like it's, okay. it's barely, you know, just above even. They're they're in the black. Barely, yes, they are. They're sixteenth though, and going back even further to last year, since their Super Bowl win, they're fifteen and thirteen. So they're barely above five hundred since the Super Bowl. And really, as we've talked about uh, ad nauseum on this podcast, this team is so boring. They're not fun to talk about. Like that's you know, after the games, Jimmy, I do a column. I know you do your awards column, like handing out awards after the game. And I used to do an article titled Things We Learned uh, after each game, kinda you know, the right. takeaways. And I stopped titling it that the past couple of weeks. So like I'm not learning right. we're, no one's learning anything. Like this is just yeah. the same team every week. There might be a couple of things that are like different. Obviously the different games dictate different things, but for the most part, the big picture, I just feel like this team is pretty mediocre. They're pretty boring. Am I off base in saying that? Not at all. And the you know the debate that comes up after really every game is you know does Carson Wentz suck or not? <laughs> which is <laughs> which is just such a stupid argument. Like shut up. He's he's it's the people that want to put the blame on Wentz over the receivers are. I'm sorry if you're a listener and I'm calling you a moron, but you are a moron if that's what you're thinking is. <laughs> Like, I get it. So, like, Wentz is maybe, you know, not, I guess, reaching expectations for a number of people, and that's fine. Like, I get it. Like, he's, he's I wouldn't say he had a bad game, necessarily, against New England, but he, he certainly didn't have a good one. Below average game. Yeah, I'd say so. That, that's fair. But I, would, I wouldn't say it was necessarily, like, a really bad game. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over at all. He, there was a few bad, there was a few throws that he, had he the missed. Fumble. He had the fumble. Yeah, that's, that's a bad fumble, for sure. But I mean, I, I didn't think he was really bad in that game. Whereas the here's the, here's the difference between Carson Wentz and other quarterbacks around the league. Wentz is going to miss a few throws every game, and mm-hmm. you know what? So is every other quarterback in the, in the NFL. 
But the difference between Wentz and every other quarterback in the NFL is that on second down or third down or, you know, the, the next throw that they make, there's going to be somebody that comes open. Whereas if Wentz has an open receiver and he misses him, then that's it. He might not get another open receiver for another for another quarter because he's trying to fit, you know, these passes into receivers that are constantly covered. He's got, he's got receivers that are just that have cornerbacks and safeties draped all over him constantly. His margin for error is basically non-existent. So if he misses a throw that's open, again, he's not going to have one for a while. And then, you know, a faction of the fan base is going to remember that one throw. And they're just going to sit on that one throw and hammer it until it, for, for everything that it's worth. And just ignore just the awfulness of this wide receiving court, which is, it's arguably as bad as the, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go that far. It's well, not that how, far off. What would you say the difference is between the 2016 receiving court? And the, and this year's. Well, this one just has more name recognition. You know, you have guys who have been like, they've done things in the league before. Unlike to that point where really, except for the exception of Jordan Matthews, no one had done anything. Like DGB didn't really do anything. Josh Huff had done nothing. Nelson DGB Aguilar, was awful. He was awful. There's guys who have at least like been successful in the past on this team now. So like on paper, you know, you would take them over that just because of name recognition alone. But I think in terms of performance, it's like it's not really that drastically different. I don't think it's that far off. Um, Obviously, a lot of those players never really even played in the NFL again. Like DGB didn't play in the NFL again. Josh Huff didn't really play in the NFL again. Am I forgetting like... You know, again, Aguilar and, and J-Matt were your top two guys. Bryce Trigg certainly didn't play really in the NFL again. Like, there were just non-NFL caliber receivers on that team. Jimmy, to your point, too. And, and that's what's going to happen with this team, too, by the way. I mean, Alshon will, Alshon will still be on the team. Deshaun doesn't count because he hasn't played really at all. Mm-hmm. But Aguilar, what's going to happen with Aguilar next? By the way, first of all, who's better, 2016 Aguilar or 2019 Aguilar? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think they're the same player. I don't. I don't think. I almost don't think there's a difference. Did you see the numbers that I put out there, Jimmy? Uh, I wrote an article for BleedingGreenNation.com uh, about how Nelson Aguilar is the worst wide receiver in the NFL by both Pro Football Focus's metrics and Pro, or sorry, uh, uh, football, football, football outsiders. outsiders, and yeah. my eye test, obviously, which is much more important. And <laughs> looking at his numbers, like in comparing them to 2016, before he was benched through 10 games, they're almost like identical. In 2016, mm. it was 27 receptions for 264 yards. It's a 9.8 average, one touchdown, one fumble, and four drops. He was ranked 119th out of 119 receivers by PFF through those 10 games. This is last year you're talking about? Or 2016, I mean? He only had four drops at that point in the season? Well, you know, those you know those drop counts are always kind of... Yeah, like, yeah, okay, right. Because so, he's got four right now, according to my count. Right, I'm just going by year. what yeah. PFF had him at the time. That was through 10 games, and then he got benched after that 10th game. Like, <laughs> they sat him for that Packers game. They just, they benched him. Do you think and he's now, sit, do you think they're sitting him this week? Well, let me get to this. So, the, in 2019, it's like 36. So, he, he, he basically has nine more receptions, 50 more yards, although a lower uh, yards per reception. Right. He has two more touchdowns. He has one more fumble, <laughs> and he basically has the same amount of drops. And he is 124th at 124th receivers in pro football focus. So basically, like, if they're going to bench him, you know, a couple of years ago, it's not really that much different of a situation now. And that's to that to your point, Jimmy. I think it was interesting that Nelson Aguilar was listed on the injury report, did not practice today with a knee injury when he supposedly suffered that knee injury after failing to make that catch 
against the Patriots, but then played the rest of the game. He came in for that final drive. He was on the field for that drive. He was on the field for the Hail Mary. Yeah. He was out there. So it wasn't like he was so hurt that he couldn't play. And all of a sudden now he's not practicing. So <laughs> I almost wonder like if, if they are kind of keeping him out, kind of being like, all right, Nelson, you know, you kind of uh, you know, take your time getting back from that one. They want to spare him the embarrassment of, you know, benching him this week by just saying that he's injured. And spare them themselves of like tanking his value as he's about to become a free agent. And they want a comp pick. You know, you don't want to bench that guy. Right, right. right. That's that's the speculation that I'm going to run with. And yeah, (laughs) uncaring whether it's right or not, because the Eagles aren't forthcoming about their injuries. So this is what happens when that when you're not forthcoming. Speculation Mm -hmm. runs wild. Um, Getting back to Carson Wentz, though, obviously, that's been the big topic of conversation this week. I think I agree with you a lot, Jimmy. I would say I'd maybe be a little bit harsher on him which is odd for me because I feel like I get usually accused of being a, a big Carson Wentz defender. But, I mean, I, I think one of the things that's kind of been an issue with Carson going back to even his rookie year, like those throws to the sideline like like he had where he overthrew Matt Collins, like I think he kind of just struggles with those in general. I think we even saw that back in 2017. There are just certain throws where like he just he sails them a little too much. And, again, I'm not saying, like, no quarterbacks do that. That's not the point. I'm just saying, like, we have seen an accuracy issue with him. I think it is fair to be a little bit concerned about that. And that was obviously an issue on the last drive, or the second-to-last drive, where he just missed, you know, multiple receivers before ultimately being in that that fourth-down situation to to have to make that throw to Aguilar. So, you know, I think Carson could be better. Um, like, I, I don't think he is, uh, blameless in this at all, but I, I really think the blame is to go around. Like, I think there's blame at all levels here. The receivers are terrible. They deserve a ton of blame. The coaching, and not just in terms of like game plan, but actually like, you know, Carson Walsh being a, a positional coach, like that's terrible. Carson Wentz deserves some blame. Uh, although, you know, what's funny is like some people are killing him for that fumble. And we were just talking last week about how like he's done such a good job with that. But no one was saying that when he he was has gotten fumbling. better at that this year, but, for sure. But then he did fumble, and everyone's like, "Oh, he fumbles too much." It's like you weren't saying this earlier <laughs> this season when he was anyway. Right. Side note. Right. I think some of the discussion about him is frustrating too, because I feel like there are like a lot of straw man arguments about him. It's like, well, no one criticizes Carson Wentz, or like you can't. <laughs> right. Like, what are you talking about? That's all I see people doing this. That's all people were doing after the game. Yeah. Is criticizing Carson Wentz to suggest too, like. Oh, the people get mad at Carson Wentz, or, or sorry, people get mad at the receivers and want them to be perfect, but Carson Wentz doesn't have to be perfect. Like, what are you talking about? Like, who is asking these receivers to be perfect? No one. Like, no one's asking. They're just asking for, like, competency, and they can't even get that. I think one of the biggest interesting things to think about is going into the season, Jimmy, uh, Doug, and I think really, I don't even know how he said it, but there was a big emphasis on the Eagles being so versatile in terms of their 12 personnel and 11 personnel packages. Mm -hmm. And that being such a a big deal, like being able to kind of seamlessly flip between those and and being so hard to defend because of that. And that is not the situation there, obviously, at at all now. It's like the, the, the Eagles only have one way to attack teams, and that's like grind it out and do this BS as Bo Wolf calls it, the bog offense, where you're, you know, you're just trying to like check it down, or you know, a bunch of little quick plays, run the ball, like. But opponents know they have to do that, so like that's the only thing you can do, and opponents are going to be ready for it because it is the only thing you can do. Like at a certain point, like what more is Carson Wentz supposed to do? Like, is this really enough? Like, is what he has around him really enough to succeed? I, I can't, I can't say it is. I did buy that versatility uh, thing. 
by the way. I, I totally bought into In fact, I think I kind of mentioned that, like, that was the best argument for keeping Aguilar um, before the Eagles even mentioned it, was that you can, you know, kind of toggle back and forth between those two tight end sets and a lot of personnel, and you can mix, run, and pass, and you can really keep defenses off balance when you can show all these different looks and have to have them react on the fly to whatever, you know, you're putting on the field. But, you know, <laughs> that plan can go sideways very quickly when your oft-injured speed receiver suddenly gets injured, <laughs> you know, like, expectedly. And it, they just haven't been able to adapt to that. And, you know, you pile on a few injuries here, you pile on an injury there, and you basically have what has become this incredibly boring, as you've mentioned over and over again, you know, just plotting, boring, you know, first down to first down offense. You know what? They have t- they have a 10-plus play scoring drive in every single game this year. You know how difficult that is? Like it's, it's sustainable. actually it's actually kind of impressive that they've been able to do that. They have 13 overall, but you're right, it's totally unsustainable. Like you can't count on that happening every week. And they're all, and by the way, it's like one. They're getting like one a week, but that's really the that's one of the only ways they can score. They got like the the long Miles Sanders run. How many other big plays have they gotten other than the two Deshaun plays against Washington week 1? What, yeah. do they ha- what do they have in terms of big plays that went for touchdowns? Or even, like, I'm having difficulty, like, even coming up with, like, big chunk plays that didn't score. Like, there just aren't right. that many. How many How many 40-plus uh, yard plays do they have this year? Well, there was the Aguilar one, obviously, in the in the Falcons game yeah. after he dropped the... the uh, I was looking at this, honestly, really earlier tonight, not too long ago. And I, I noticed that three of their top five longest plays are defensive plays this year. Yeah. The, the Skandrick, the touchdown, uh, just, just by touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, right. And the the other one was the uh, Nate Gary interception, obviously. Yeah, so I'm looking at the big plays, touchdown plays they have here. Miles Sanders, 65 yards. They, they have more 40-plus yard touchdown. I'm sorry, 40-plus yard plays than I would have than I would have thought. Well, it's only three. It's five. Oh well, sorry. Touch, touchdown plays? No, no, no. Just forty plus yard plays okay, overall. Yeah. The touchdown plays. It's only yeah. Uh, they have three five. and two of them are passing, which is more than I thought. Okay. The Bears and Colts have one each. <laughs> Man, <laughs> so it can be worse. <laughs> they're actually uh, somehow there are eleven teams that have fewer than five <laughs> plays of forty plus yards pass plays. Wow, man, the offense is horrible in the, in the NFL this year. Panthers, Dolphins, Patriots, Raiders, Washington, Falcons, Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Bears, Colts. So it can be worse, I guess. But anyway, getting back to the point, those long drives are, like you mentioned, they're just wholly unsustainable. And, you know, they keep talking about that as the quote-unquote recipe. That recipe sucks. (laughs) That recipe tastes terrible. Stop serving it up. Although I guess it is the I I guess I can't blame them because it is is really their their best chance of scoring. Well, yeah. Well, I was going to say It is really all they can do. What's their other option? They don't have Just, one. I mean, the other option is like chuck the ball downfield to, to Boston Scott and hope he can draw a pass <laughs> interference. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know at a certain point, like what, and that's what that's part of why this team is so boring to me is because I what's the like what is the what's going to change? Like, I don't under I don't understand what's going to change with this team. I don't know how you look at their situation and be like, you know, uh, there's some tough things going on right now, but something's going to get better. It's not like to me the Deshaun thing was really. And that's why the Deshaun injury was so devastating. Not only right. the original injury, but the, the second time around, yeah. And then not trading, doing anything at the trade deadline because it's like, well, they're screwed. Like nothing's going to change here. 
Uh, and that's just kind of where the situation is at right now. It's really frustrating. It's just hard to watch. Speaking of trades, did you see, I guess Adam Schefter did his weekly hit on uh, 975. Yeah. And they tweeted I out. I did see this. <laughs> that uh, the, there was interest in Aguilar. I, I didn't see, there, there. there's no time frame given in the tweet. And I didn't, he he I didn't said in the off season, not okay, the, the trade okay. deadline. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I did. He he, he definitely said not in, towards the deadline, and that was like during the off season. And right, he, he said the Eagles are uh, holding out for a two. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, insane. I mean, if you could oh get a three, I, and I, this is in hindsight, I would have said that at the time. If you could get a three for Nelson Aguilar at that time and unload that nine point four million, that's like a no brainer. That would yeah, do it like now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what? My pr- a bi- a big problem with Howie that I, that I'll say. I'm sorry. You, go, you can go first. Go ahead. Well, I'm, we might be landing on the same point here. Okay. It's not just like because everyone gets on them for you know like not evaluating players outside the organization yeah. in terms of like draft picks or and, and uh, free agents or whatever. I think it's in, their internal evaluations have been off. Right, I would say. they they overvalue their own players. That's not where I was going, but I do agree okay. with that. And then also just the, them bringing back all their all the players that used to be on the team repeatedly. Huge issue. Well, it, it goes with the thing we bring up, or I bring up seemingly every week, where it's like every like the internal promotions. It's like yeah. all the answers are in the building, or you know, it's always a guy who's out there on the market. Like, like really, you brought back Jordan Matthews? Like, really, to, to have him come back and get targeted six times for one reception <laughs> right. for six yards on a very empty third down play, like where that was clearly short of the sticks. And meanwhile, Josh Gordon. Like, you know, he hasn't done anything amazing yet. But, like, at least in theory, like, I, I just in terms of skill set, like, you'd rather have Josh Gordon. Didn't he do something like. last week? He had two, I think I think he had two first down conversions. Or, That's or more than the like Eagles that. receivers have. Yeah, it's more, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, where I was going with that was, and actually, before I get to my, the, my point on that, I will say that at least it, it does a little bit maybe makes sense that you're bringing in like Jordan Matthews midseason because he does already know the system and JJ because he does already know the system like and I'm with you completely like I, if you have a, a guy like Josh Gordon available then clearly he's a better option than Jordan Matthews so let's not get that point twisted but at least I kind of understand midseason where you don't want to have to bring a guy up to speed or whatever he might not know the offense whatever but what's indefensible is bringing a guy back like Vinny Curry like, did you not know that he's kind of cooked already? And Howie said before the regular season here, like after training camp, that they thought Vinny had like a great camp, right? Like he was like gassing up Vinny Curry going yeah. into the season. And that wasn't, I don't think he was even asked specifically about Vinny too. Like I think he offered that up. Like he just, he brought it up. That does sound in. familiar. Yeah. So, um, man, it's, it's frustrating when you look at how this team has been built. And then just, okay, so I get your point about the familiarity thing, but like, I think to the bigger point it speaks to is like they just don't seem to have ideas. Like they're, they're, where's the outside the box thinking? Like where's the creativity from this front office? Like last year, you know, they picked up Craven LeBlanc off waivers, and that turned out being great. Now he had some familiarity with Joe Douglas, but like there's no. It, it just feels like I don't know. Maybe try to sign someone off someone's practice squad and and get a little bit creative and get something going here. Um, they and now they did that with Anthony Rush and Albert Huggins, which I think was a good strategy. In terms of, uh, you know, they cut Akeem Spence, probably wasn't, you know, going to do anything for them. He's older. Why not get a look at some younger guys? But, like, why not do that the receiver position, too? Why not bring up someone from the Eagles' own practice squad if you're going to love your own guys so much and, like, give Greg Ward a chance? Because at this point, is Greg Ward probably going to be, like, the answer? No, I doubt it. But 
how how are you going to keep trotting Nelson Aguilar out there every single week and watching him drop these like super high leverage plays every single week and like feel anything's going to change? Like I just don't get that's insanity to me. So the the problem that I have with Howie more recently is I think he's trying to win every trade. So you have you know Jalen Ramsey becomes available and the price tag to get him is obviously very high. The Rams get him, the Eagles don't. Jadavion Clowney's available. They get him pretty cheap. I mean, what was that, like a third-round pick and then an extra pick for him? It was and like third and two linebackers. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, third and two and two backup linebackers. I mean, they couldn't cough up a, a three and, you know, maybe another pick, assuming, you know, nobody wants Eagle, the Eagles' backup linebackers. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't cough that up. And then, like, the Aguilar thing that we brought up before. Like, you were holding out for a two for him, plus paying him almost $10 million? You would you couldn't on just a, take on the last year of his deal. You yeah. couldn't take a three for that guy. It's, I don't know if like they were ever offered a three, but Chapter right. said they were holding out for a two. So, I mean, he's kind of you don't want to be. I'll I'll relate this to like your fantasy football league. You don't want to be the guy in the league that just offers ridiculous trades all the time. <laughs> you know, like that guy just gets really annoying after a while. And then, like you know, they're they're asking you for like you know your your best player, and they're offering you like three garbage players for him. Like, well, it's three for one. Yeah, well, the three players you're offering me suck. Like, like that guy just gets annoying after a while. And I wonder if he's kind of that guy in the NFL right now. Yeah, I also wonder if your reputation kind of precedes you at some point in the sense of like uh, how he's gotten credit in the past for making those good deals. And I wonder if other executives are kind of reluctant to deal with him. That could be. What else do you want to get through here, Jimmy, before we go to break? Well, yeah, I mean, we're kind of all over the place here, I guess, but we, well, on, the po- on the point where like, um, in, in, you know, like you say, well, why not give Greg Ward a, a shot over these guys? Why not just play JJ or Sega Whiteside? Oh, absolutely. It's, well, instead you- of Nelson Aguilar and, and Jay Matt. Did you realize that on the snap count this week that Jordan Matthews in one game played 64 snaps and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in his last seven games has played 63 snaps? Ew. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, really? Like, you need, like, it's crazy, too, because, like, okay, let's even say, let's admit that Jordan Matthews is a better player than, like, let's allow that thought right, to happen. Right, right. Okay, who's more important to your long-term success here? Jordan Matthews is going to be a free agent and you're probably not going to resign him. Again, at the end of this year, JJ Arthur Whiteside is going to be here. Like, don't you want to see him and see what he has? Yeah. And like, wh- how big is the difference anyway? Like, how much better really could Jordan Matthews be than JJ Arthur Whiteside? Even if he was, like, what would the margin you know be there? I, it couldn't be big. Like, he was on the he's on the street for, for he, he's been available. Uh, I think there's a lot of issues all around here in terms of I think it's like one of my biggest takeaways looking at this team like everyone wants to scream and yell at like one person and Carson Wentz is getting a lot of hate this week but it's not just him and it's not just Doug and it's not just Howie I think like this is pretty much like just a total failure I think everyone is contributing to this team's downfall right now like pretty much pretty much everyone for the most part especially the key people so I uh on the JMAT point like uh I I just I just watched every incompletion on the season uh, yesterday and 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 a little bit today this morning and um sorry the <laughs> because obviously you know I was looking for every drop that the Eagles had this year and uh, in this past game you know as you mentioned Jordan Matthews had six targets he had one catch for what was it six yards yeah on on his six targets I mean he got like I mean we talk about like separation 
None. Like, <laughs> like there was what a, a surprise. A, like, and once was almost even kind of forcing it into him. Mm-hmm. He had like, I mean, there, he was not open in the slightest on on his targets, and I don't know why he's in there. Like, I I get that. Like, again, he knows the system and whatever, but who cares? Yeah, right. He's just not good. Is is is, is really the problem? Oh, he's just they, not good. They they brought him in last year, and he was actually way better than I was anticipating. As a role player, yeah, yeah. Right, but when you bring him in and he's starting immediately, I mean, what was he on the team for five days? <laughs> he's starting. It's crazy. I guess like a little bit more, a week or so, because they signed him during the bye. Um, no, they they actually signed him. I think the Monday after that oh, week of games. Oh, true. I mean, yeah, I guess well, they I guess they could have like given you know given him a playbook and said you know right. start brushing up again, but right. they didn't actually. And I mean, they didn't come back to practice until you know that that week anyway. One more thing I want to say about Carson Wentz to me is that, like, okay, so let's say if you're one of those people out there who's really criticizing him, like, let's say you're right, you know, you're you're completely right, and this is a big issue, like, okay, he's still the franchise quarterback, like, they're not moving on from him, so if that's your argument that they should move on, like, that's not happening, and that discussion's right. This is this isn't Sam Bradford. Yeah, so so to me, it's like the focus shouldn't be so much on like tearing him down. As much as like, okay, what can we do to kind of make this work? Like, what is the next step the Eagles need to take? And I think that would be like fostering an environment around him where he can actually have success. And that means improving the wide receiver core. That means improving the coaching staff, which I've talked about over and over, which I think um, is not good enough. Jimmy, you look at three coaches in particular to me. Uh, Mike Groh, who promised the Eagles are going to work even harder this week than they did last week. Thanks, we should Mike, pull for up that, that one. We should pull up that soundbite, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I think I think you can ask Michael Kiss to drop that in here. No, you know what? Let me. Uh, let me. I'll just read it. Okay. It's it's, it's a transcript. <laughs> yeah. Good. You continue. You grow. So you have grow. Uh, you have Carson Walsh, and you have Press Taylor, all overseeing units that are ultimately, I think, underperforming. Yes. And what's the common theme with all those coaches, Jimmy? What would you say would would tie those coaches all together? They all got promoted from within. Yep. All automatically without any real kind of search. It was just like, all right, you guys are the guys. Boom. Done. And I just think that's so lazy. And I think it's detrimental to the team. Like, hire the best candidates. Get some experienced people in here. Especially because like, Doug Peterson isn't some experienced head coach. You know, he's, what, in year four now? But at the time those guys were hired, he was only going into his third season. Like, give him some more veteran. That, like, that was part of the value of Frank Reich and John T. Filippo. Is they had experience. And I think that's what you want. I think you kind of need, they need that. I think so going to my large report and like building this better environment for Carson Wentz, I think that's what the Eagles need to do. They need to upgrade offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, wide receivers coach, and the actual talent itself in the wide receiver. All right. So here's the, here's the quote. So he was asked, <laughs> I loved your smart ass tweet after this too, by the way. <laughs> hey, but, I just, I just said what I repeated what he said. <laughs> so uh, Zach Berman asked him, uh, as you evaluate the as you as you evaluate Wentz, uh, how much attention do you pay to what he's working with, uh, as opposed to just what the expected result of the play is? I'm not sure exactly what Zach meant by that, but uh, Mike replied, "I think you have to factor both of the things, keep both of those things in mind, and I probably have a similar answer as before. Regardless of who's in the game, we have a high standard of performance, and whether we're talking about guys that aren't in a receiver or right tackle or running back or whoever they may be." We're preparing and we're and we're practicing to go play our best football and to go play winning football 
and we and we didn't get that done. We're obviously very disappointed in that, but it certainly wasn't for lack of effort. We're going to go back and we're going to work harder this week than we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> you have to give the Patriots a lot of credit. They did a nice job. They have a good team. They have a good defense, but we certainly expect to perform better than we did. <laughs> and then Brandon tweets, Mike Groh just said they're going to work harder this week than they did last week. <laughs> he did. He said it. He That's did. He, he, said. Said he, he absolutely said that. <laughs> it's just... Oh, my God. Uh, stay or, I mean, I know that you're, you're, you, your preference is to go on all three of these guys, but real quick, rapid fire. What do you think the Eagles do? Stay or go? Ready? Micro. Go. Press Taylor. Stay. Carson Walsh. Go. Yeah. I'm with you on all three of those. Press Taylor, get promoted to OC. Oh my gosh. Knowing knowing them, yes, that would happen. Oh my God. (laughs) All right, let's take a break here, and uh, we will be back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode number 93, with Brendan Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky here to talk to you now about uh, some Eagles versus Seahawks matchups. It sounds like you're going to say something really serious there. Like, we're here to talk to you about like some epidemic <laughs> or something. Man. <laughs> well, that's coming later, actually. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Jimmy, I guess we should get into the... Well, do you, do you want to get into the Baldy thing first before we really get into this? Baldy was killing them. And, like, we goof on, on Baldy and his, his Baldy breakdowns. A lot of times I think, like, they're kind of nonsense. <laughs> but I actually very much enjoyed them this time. I mean, he was killing them. And I think they were, you know, most of the things that he was saying were, were right on. And the one thing that <laughs> – there was one clip where he was killing the uh, the offensive – I didn't think the offensive line played that badly. I mean, they weren't as good as they normally are. But he was killing them for because uh, I guess the Patriots were they were just standing up. Uh, they only had like one down lineman that was uh, you know like in a three in a three point stance, and then you know they they were basically just standing up and like kind of like at the like an amoeba kind of defense. Baldy was pissed that the Eagles weren't coming mm-hmm. up. Tonight. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to play this for everyone. Ready? They're up there standing up with linebackers, and it's like nothing but patty cake. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's blocking anybody. This is just a just up behind a woodshed butt whipping. We're just standing around looking at each other. Like, that's not how you play football. Somebody comes up and they line up like this. Get! Come off the ball! Lower Get. your pad level! Take 
take Jamie Collins and Kyle Vannoy off the ball. <laughs> Drive them into the dirt. You can't just stand there like this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so that's Baldy. Baldy was not happy. Baldy, Baldy criticized everyone. He got the offensive line. He, he hammered Wentz. He was hammering the receivers as usual. I don't remember if he got the defense really. I don't know what he would get him for that. If the defense played really well. No. What was the point of talking about Baldy again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wanted to talk about it, but speaking of the offensive line, on that note, yeah. uh, it looks like they're going, the Eagles probably, we're guessing at this point, uh, going to be without Lane Johnson against the Seahawks. He did not practice on Wednesday. He's still in the concussion protocol. As you know, that's not an, uh, an injury where you, like, you can just play through that. Like, you have to be cleared by an independent doctor before you can get, you know, you can play. And the fact that Lane Johnson has not yet been cleared, and it's Wednesday. Surprise, time. Surprising to me, by the way, that he's uh, probably not going to play because, I mean, we don't. I looked for so they said he got hurt on their on their long scoring drive, and I don't know if you did this too, but I looked at every play on that drive, and like I didn't see any violent headshots that he took during that drive. So I don't. I mean, he may have gotten injured before that. I didn't look at the drives prior to that. But he it's, he did play through that injury at some point. So it wasn't like a situation where, you know, he, he had like Andrew Sandeo like <laughs> coming at him like a torpedo and took him out of the game like he did Avante Maddox. It wasn't like he was laying on the ground at any point. And they're like, oh, here comes the car. Or this is serious or whatever. It wasn't one of those situations. So I thought he was going to be fine for this week. But, yeah, once you get to Wednesday and, uh, you know, you haven't been, you're, you're not practicing at all because sometimes like, Guys that are still in the protocol, like when they get in the advanced stages of the of the protocol, like they will practice, but they'll just be limited. And he's he was a complete non-participant in practice today, which is a bad sign, as, as you mentioned, for, for Sunday. And it sounded like the way that Doug was talking, that, you know, he was he was almost talking as if like Dillard was going to play right tackle. Which is a big deal because Andre Dillard really has not worked at right tackle no. a lot, if at all. I, he definitely didn't do it when we were watching him in training camp. I, I can't tell. I mean, or if he did. They did um, very late was, in camp. Right. And that was like very limited. That wasn't like, you know, days upon days of doing it. Right. The, the main focus was him playing at left tackle. Which made they, sense. And they said as much. Like that was their intention. Now, yeah. the fact that the Eagles will be without Lane Johnson potentially this week against the Seahawks is kind of a big deal because, as you pointed out, Jimmy Kemsky. Mr. Clowney. 25 and 13 when Lane Johnson oh, starts. Right, okay. And they're only 3 and 9 when he doesn't. And further, uh, as Bill Barnwell pointed out here, Carson Wentz has a passer rating of 98.1 with Johnson on the field, and it, that falls to 79.8 without Lane Johnson on the field. So it's a big deal. It's a lot not of that a small is, deal. A lot of that is uh, Wentz's rookie year. Yes. Because uh, Lane got suspended for uh, 10 games, was 10 it? 10 games. Yeah. I think it was 10. And I mean, they, they started off that year. Three and Hot. one, and then he and then he got suspended, and then he came back, and they won their last two games. So they were five yes. and one with him in Wentz's rookie year, and they were what I guess two and eight in the rest of those games. And then you know since then it's been a little more even, I guess, when he's missed games. But you know, I mean, clearly he's one of the most important players of the team. I'd have him top top three important players. I'd have him third. I'd have it Wentz one, Fletcher Cox two. Lane Johnson three in terms of guys that you, you don't want to go into a week without. Yeah, they were missing him when they played the Cowboys the first time last year and they lost that game. Would you have anyone ahead um, of him? Would you have anyone other than Cox and Wentz ahead of him? I mean, I would think about Kelsey just because like Kelsey's pretty important to their operation. And I also think the drop off is bigger. Like 
you know, you're you're putting Dillard in at least now at right tackle, where like okay, like maybe that can work out as opposed to. I'm not feeling awesome about Isaac Samalo playing at center all of a sudden. Um, I think the drop off is bigger there. But but getting into this week's matchup, James. Yes. Kind of a big deal. Andre Dillard going up against Davion Clowney, who is really coming on for the Seahawks lately. Yes. Kind of just took over the game really against the 49ers. It was a big reason why they ended up winning that game. Uh, so that's one of the key matchups this week, right? He, he was a beast against the Eagles last year too in that Texans. Oh game. yeah. Like he yeah. was ridiculously good in that game. He so, was going up against Big. Was he going up against Big V? That sounds right. Was Lane hurt for that game too? No, because he was on the other side at okay. that time. He's playing left defensive end mostly for. I mean, they move him around, but he's playing mostly on the left side for the Seahawks. Uh, I think the Texans actually kind of had him standing up over like the middle of the line, so mm. he probably saw some Isaac. Or no, I guess it would have been Wiz. It would have been Wiz last year. He probably did most of his damage against Wiz, but I don't know. He he absolutely killed them, and he destroyed Wentz on a couple. I'm not. I'm sorry, not Wentz. Foles on a couple different occasions. Like, mm-hmm. not to uh, fan the flames of the Wentz Foles defense, but one of the one of the best best throws of the year last year was when Foles stood in the pocket and just took a massive hit from him and uh, threw it down the middle of the field. And Jeffrey made a great catch for him. Which, if it were this year, (laughs) there's no way that ball wouldn't have been, you know, tipped up in the air and returned for a pick six. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big deal if if Lane can't play, and it looks like he won't. I do have confidence that Dillard is a lot better than Big V. But, you know, as you mentioned, because he hasn't gotten a lot of work on that right side, it's a little dicey. And uh, I even asked Dillard about, you know, playing the difference between left tackle and right tackle, like, months ago and he said that like he didn't really feel comfortable <laughs> playing on the right side like good to uh, hear <laughs> like uh at one point i, I remember I, t- I was talking to him about surfing one time and he's like yeah just it's like uh it's probably not all that different from that where like if you put your if you put your other foot front on the board you know you're gonna be uncomfortable doing that he said it's really not that much different I think that's maybe overstating a little bit, <laughs> like, but but you know he's play, he spent his whole college career playing left tackle, and uh, to switch sides, you know, and getting those, um, you know, the way they they kick back is uh, maybe not the easiest thing for for a, you know a young player like that to transition to, and then have to play a guy like Clowney all day is uh, going to be a very uh, difficult ask of him. Yeah, so, so we'll it, see. it was. It was uh, Jason Peters who left that game, by the way, early in the game. So it was Big V playing at left tackle. Okay. And uh, so Clowney was having some success against Big V. But in any case, yeah, big big matchup for the Eagles this week. I guess on the Clowney note, one thing I should say, a point here I wanted to highlight is this is a really high-stakes game for Howie Rosen. I feel like in terms of uh, public perception, he is going to get killed if the Seahawks win this game. And they also win it with like Clowney going off and like DK Metcalf, you know, yeah. who was drafted after JJ Arthur Whiteside going off and Josh Gordon, you know, who the Eagles could have claimed going off. Like this could be an awful game for Howie. How many how many picks after JJ did DK get picked? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. But it was the same round, I believe. DK went sixty fourth. Oh, okay. Seven picks later. Donkey Donkey Kong Metcalf. And then Andy Isabella went in between them. And so did Paris Campbell. Okay. So the card of the Cardinals were. I'm sure that it's been a 
for for the Cardinals eight fans, they're probably bad every time they play the Seahawks that they're like, oh, we got Andy Isabella instead of DK Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at the Seahawks defense, because mentioning you know Clowney within that, they're not as good as they used to be though. You know, as a whole. Oh, it's um, not the same 20- defense. No way. They're 24th in opponent yards per play. They're 21st in defensive DVOA. Now, with all that said, that means nothing to me because I have no faith in this Eagles offense. Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess, like, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, at least it might not be as bad as it was against the Patriots, and they can kind of get some things going more often than they would this past week. But, you know, it's not like they're just going to be like a hot knife through butter. Or hot knife through butter? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know why it sounded wrong when it came out. Yeah, so... That's concerning. Um, one thing I, I forgot to mention at the top about this Seattle team, I think there's an argument that they're not quite as good as their two and eight or eight and two record. I should say uh, makes them out to be. I think you're even seeing that within like Seahawks fans, kind of just watching from afar, like Seahawks Twitter and even like uh, SB Nation's Seahawks site Field Goals, which is a, a great name by the way. Yes, they they're not like all in on this team, despite them being eight and two. When and when you look at their schedule, it's it's kind of like you can see it. Because on one hand, like they've only lost to the the Saints and the Ravens, you know, two pretty good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at their wins, only one came by more than one score. That was against the Cardinals in Kyler Murray's fourth game ever. Yeah, they barely beat some pretty bad teams. Yeah, they barely beat the Browns. Their last two games, they, they barely beat the Bengals. Barely beat the home. Bengals at home, but they <laughs> yeah. beat by one point. Yeah. Their last two games, uh, it took them overtime at home to beat the Buccaneers and James yeah. Winston, who's like turning the ball over uh, every play, basically at this point. And uh, obviously, their most recent win was against the 49ers. Good, good, and very good, very good win. That was a, that was a fun game to watch too. Yeah, and it was it was in San Francisco, right? So um, on the road too. Uh, so yeah, and now and then they're coming off a bye. And by the way, the Seahawks are seven and one off of their last eight by games. I uh, got a little Andy Reid magic post by action going on there. So like, I don't want to downplay them as a tough opponent. Cause I think they very much are. I just don't think like, you know, they might not be quite good as eight and two. There's a lot of record or there's a lot of luck that goes into one score games. You know, maybe they're kind of more of like a six and four team. Like they're, they're a good team. Um, but I just, you know, I kind of wonder how good they are. But uh, the thing that scares me the most to me and the reason why I think the Seahawks are legitimately good uh, it's because they have a very good quarterback by the name of Russell oh, Wilson. Oh, really? Huh. Uh, did you know the Eagles could have had him by chance? <laughs> Speaking of Vinnie Carey. That is, I will, that, I honestly will never get over that, which is just a, a huge problem for me personally, and I should. <laughs> All right. Especially because the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. But I mean, like, still, like, they could have had Russell Wilson, who has never missed a game, who is playing at an MVP level this year. He has 26 total touchdowns when you include his rushing touchdowns. And he has two interceptions against the Eagles, Jimmy. He's accounted for eight touchdowns. And, like, there's a receiving touchdown in there. There's been some rushing touchdowns in there. And he hasn't turned the ball right. over Right, six and once. Yeah, six, six touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles. Right. Uh, he kills this team. And I think when I look at this matchup, I have no faith the Eagles defense can stop him. And it has nothing to do even so much. It's not even, like, a indictment of the Eagles defense as much as it's just, like, I think Russell Wilson is that good. What's funny about their, them, you know, not picking him in that draft was they were talking about how all oh, the Seahawks they, you know, they really snaked us in the third round. You had two second round picks. Like if you really yeah. liked them that much, take them with your second second round pick. What That's are you terrible. doing? <laughs> you passed on them three times. Yeah, that would have been an amazing draft. They would have gotten Fletcher Cox and Russell Wilson in that draft. A lot of people always say like, 
Oh, well, Andy still would have been here if that happened. That's yeah, like Andy, a bad Andy, thing, Andy would be Andy would be a Super Bowl champion if, if they drafted Russell Wilson, probably. Well, he might have not been either, too. I mean, they yeah, could have, um, like, Vic was still the starter. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Anyway, just, it kills me that Russell Wilson is uh, not, not a member of the Eagles because that would just be so, I think he's just so fun to watch. Like, he's honestly one of the funnest players in the NFL to watch. Like, he he is, to me, the most indefensible player in the NFL. Like, he gets to a point, at least when I've watched, like, the way I see Russell Wilson play against the Eagles, I wonder how he ever loses a game because he looks like they can't do anything to stop him. Yeah. Like, you can't rush him because he's just going to find a way to like avoid the sacks. He's going to like just run around. And even if you kind of get him into a bad spot, he's so good at throwing the ball away and turning like a sack into an incompletion. Like you just, he's so tough to defend. And I think Schwartz's quote was awesome on him, by the way. Did you hear what Schwartz said? I did, but I can't remember. what. So he got asked, what are the challenges of trying to tackle a guy like uh, Russell Wilson? And he goes, well, there's scrambling quarterbacks, there's running quarterbacks, there's dropback quarterbacks, there's quarterbacks that are good from the pocket, there's quarterbacks that are good from outside the pocket, there's quarterbacks that can throw on schedule, there's quarterbacks that can create their own, and he's all the above. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that you layer all those things together and it makes it a tough challenge. You have to defend perimeter plays like boots and play actions, you have to defend RPOs and zone reads, you have to defend off-schedule plays, but he can also be just as good as anybody in the league when it comes to just dropping back and throwing. He's very talented that way can scramble not just for first downs, but he can scramble for big plays down the field. Just an excellent competitor, and he's a great challenge for this this week. So, like, the, the competitor part, too, is, is uh, you know, I think that kind of gets thrown around a little. Well, you know, even with him, I totally buy that. I mean, we talk, you talk to, we talked about earlier, you know, the, uh, the close games that they're in, but they win a lot of those close games because he's awesome and he's competitive, right. and, and they, he always winds up making huge plays in the fourth quarters of games. Do you, you remember that? touchdown pass he had to was it tyler lockett earlier awesome. this year against the rams like, like that, they're like oh he's throwing it away and it, it's a it touchdown looked, <laughs> it, it looked like he was throwing it away yeah and but that's what i mean that's the exact kind of play i'm talking about when he's like indefensible you couldn't do anything to defend that play like there's nothing you could do like you could have covered that perfectly like it's just it's amazing what he can do so for an eagles defense that's looked better recently and i think that's you know pretty indisputable like they've they played well in these last three games that they've played but they've also faced Josh Allen, Mitchell Trubisky, and I'll just say it, Jimmy. Tom Brady looked kind of washed up to me. You think he's like, washed? Like, to some extent. Like, I think the Eagles defense played him well, but he was also, I felt like, he missed some throws. Like, he underthrew Julian Edelman on that deep play where Jalen Mills got I thought was better than Brady in that game. Uh, well, he was statistically, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's fair to say. I tested but my, well. But this point being, like, I don't know how real this defensive improvement is, ultimately. I think there's some legitimacy to it like I think the pass rush has been coming on I think having Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby back in the secondary over especially Sidney Jones who's basically like a healthy scratch now uh like that's a big deal it makes a difference this defense is definitely better to some extent I just don't know that you know they're quite I just because they played well I I don't think they're like shutting down Russell Wilson all of a sudden over unders ready real quick DK Metcalf 79.5 yards over Josh Gordon 59.5 59.5 yards. Under. Jadavion Clowney, 1.5 sacks. Under. Okay. I'll have one. I don't feel great about the DK Metcalf one, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> over? You don't feel good about the over on DK? I'll take it. I guess I'll get a big play. I guess he, he kind of was inconsistent uh, in the like a little bit more recently, and I think in this, the, the uh, 49ers game too, but whatever. So, uh it's funny because what are you doing talk- with those? <laughs> <It's right. laughs> are you holding this against me? I'm going to tacking it to the wall. <laughs> okay. 
you know it's funny like so I, I wrote my five matchups today and i wrote like uh four things on the uh on the uh seahawks uh offense against the eagles defense and then i was like yeah i should probably write something about the eagles offense <laughs> yeah but it's like that's just so poor like who cares who cares about the matchups on that side of the ball there's nothing it's new to shit. say there's nothing new like there's no new information you can bring and and like people are like oh, what should the eagles do or or the other thing that kind of gets me with the eagles offense is like people are complaining that miles sanders like wasn't getting enough uh carries or whatever and like okay but at some point like you have to be able to pass the ball like you can't literally just hand off to miles sanders on every play and win like you have to pass the ball effectively it's a passing league so like that just doesn't register with me when people are kind of complaining about that yeah i agree yeah, the one thing I was able to find was that the uh, the Seahawks do give up a lot of yards to tight ends. So okay, there you go. Maybe that's something the Eagles can hang their hat on. I'm sure the Seahawks won't <laughs> lock into that <laughs> and dare and dare the Eagles receivers to beat them. Yeah, I'm sure the tight ends that were beating them uh, also have receivers that are competent too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anything else on this matchup, Jimmy? Uh, yeah. So I have Russell Wilson's thirty different ways of beating you. Yeah. Uh, I covered that. I have the Eagles defensive line versus Seahawks shaky offensive line. Actually, there is one thing to note there. So their center, uh, Justin Britt, uh, was lost a couple of weeks ago for the season with uh, ACL tear. So their backup center uh, is 6'2", generously, gener- uh, generously, oh my God, you know, like, you're, you're, <laughs> you're contagious, yeah. generously listed at 300 pounds. He's got 30 and a quarter inch arms. Like, that is unheard of for an offensive lineman. I remember, like, Justin Pugh used to get hammered all the time because he, because let me see what he stinks. <laughs> Hold on. Justin Pugh, mock draftable. Yeah, he would get killed. Like, he got killed for having these T Rex arms. His arms were, and he was one, you know, one percentile, <laughs> 32 inches. And this guy has, Arms that are thirty inches, thirty and a quarter inch arms. This this center, that this backup center that that the Seahawks have. What's his name again? Joey Hunt. It'd been funnier if his mom named him Mike, but uh, Joe. <laughs> but, but Joey Hunt uh, is is Jeez. short, and he's got these little T Rex arms. If Fletcher Cox can't have his way with this guy, then there's a big problem. So I would I, I would look at that matchup and and kind of see it as one that's heavily in Eagles' favor. In that, you know, maybe they can get a rush up the middle. And I know that this has, like, been sort of a uh, a knock on Russell Wilson's career that is kind of, like, everyone makes fun of now. But it's because he's short. But I do think that if the Eagles do, you know, they are able to get a, a you know, a, an inside pass rush. And, you know, maybe they do affect his sight lines and they can get in his face. And, and I mean, he doesn't really make mistakes. But um, certainly get that inside pass rush is going to be effective against really any quarterback. Uh, also had the Seahawks trio of gifted wide receivers against the Eagles secondary. We covered that. Uh, Chris Carson versus the Eagles defense, the Eagles run defense. I mean, the Seahawks, like, all we've mentioned so far, and I knew this was going to happen, but all we've really mentioned so far is their passing game and Russell Wilson, and that's all that's going to get talked about by everybody else leading up to the game. But they run the ball more than almost every other team in the league. Like, there's only More than f- they should. There's yeah, Right, exactly. They're almost kind of like the Cowboys were. Cowboys are starting to smart up a little bit and pass the ball a little bit more, but they they the Seahawks just want to run the ball a lot, and I don't, I don't really get it. They I think there's only there's only four teams in the NFL that uh, have a 
higher run to pass ratio. The Seahawks are running it on 46.4% of their plays. And Chris Carson is third in the NFL of carries with 200. He's on pace for 320. So he's the kind of back that the Eagles seem to have a lot of success against. I think he's an awesome compliment to Russell Wilson because you got to chase Russell Wilson around all day. And then this guy just kind of like runs you over. He's like a big bruiser kind of back. But the Eagles usually have success against those kinds of guys. I think I feel like the guys that, that you know, they struggle with a little bit are, um, you know, the, the shiftier types. But the, like the bigger guys, Zeke Elliott aside, who, you know, had a big day against them earlier this year. I think they, uh, they, they typically do a good job against those types of backs. But that is an interesting matchup because, you know, they do like to run it a lot. And, you know, Schwartz always first and foremost wants to stop the run. Um, don't think that's the best idea in this matchup. But uh, it is one that, that, you know, does deserve at least a quick. So basically you're, you're hoping like Pete Carroll basically decides to defeat himself by like running too much. Kind of like he did against the Cowboys in the uh, wild card round yes. last year. When yep. like, like every time, the Se- literally every single time the Seahawks would pass the ball. It'd be like a great gain, great play by Russell Wilson. And then they would just like run the ball into the line of scrimmage for like one yard gains uh, the next three plays. It was just, it was so frustrating to watch. It was like, are you trying to win the game? Like, I, I can't tell because like, you're like, you're so committed to running that you're just uh, making yourself lose ultimately. Uh, by the way, Chris Carson drafted after the pick that the Eagles traded up to or traded up with, using with to get Donald Pumphrey. So the Eagles drafted Donald Pumphrey in the fourth, but they, <laughs> they took a seventh to trade up in the fourth to get him. I think it was the second to last running back taken in that draft. Chris Something Carson. like that. So Carson was drafted after that seventh the Eagles used. Just one I always remember. A little piece of trivia that's fun to bring up and uh, tuck away there. Well, the Seahawks fans' complaint is that, I mean, not a complaint because I guess they did find a running back that panned out. And Carson's good, like Carson's a good player, but mm. anytime uh, you know, they're putting the ball in his hands over Russell Wilson. I think it's a win for the Eagles defense. But Seahawks fans gripe about, you know, hit the, the guy that panned out was a seventh rounder. And the guy who didn't, Rashad Penny, was was yeah. a first round pick. Did they trade up for him too? I think so. The Eagles w- were really interested in him too, I heard, in Rashad okay. Penny. Okay. So the Seahawks. In the kinda, first round, would they would they have taken him at the end of the first? Yeah, they're they're interested in him. Oh my gosh! So the Seahawks may have done the Eagles a big favor by jumping up ahead of them. Instead, the Eagles traded Lamar Jackson for Dallas Goddard and <laughs> Miles Sanders. It's true. Yeah. Well, the the thing that Bo Wolf always likes to make fun of the uh, Ravens for is that they took uh, Hayden uh, Hurst. Hayden Hurst. I mean, he makes a fun fifty of year Hurst. old tight end in the first round, <laughs> right? But if you like Lamar Jackson that much, why didn't you just take him wherever they got him? Was it like twenty sixth or something like that? Uh, no, it was the Eagles pick, 32. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, where they took Hurst? Yeah, why, why didn't they just take Jackson yeah, it was like at, the, at the 26. Hurst pick? As right. if, like, Hurst wouldn't have been there at 32. Right. <laughs> we'll come back here after the break, get into a little bit more injury talk as we talk about our final pick for the Eagles. But before we get to that, we will have our one NFL pick against the spread. Jimmy, we will be back into this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 93. Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky here with you. Just one NFL pick against the spread this week. It's kind of an important game to talk about. A very important game oh, to talk sure. about. The Co- Dallas Cowboys. Common opponents, too. It's a big yes. game for that. Dallas Cowboys. Jimmy stole my thunder, man. Oh, I'm he took sorry. it all away. No, I'm sorry, sorry. buddy. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> edit that out. No, don't edit it out. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, six and a half point underdogs in New England against the Patriots. And as you said, Jimmy is a very important game for the Eagles common games tiebreaker, which is the third tiebreaker after obviously um, it would be uh, head to head. head. 
then division games, and then it's common games before uh, conference factors in. So the Eagles are currently one game up only on the Cowboys because the Cowboys beat the Lions last week, who the Eagles lost to. Previously, the Eagles were two games up on the Eagles or the Cowboys in this common game tiebreaker, but now they're only up one game. And if the Cowboys somehow pull off this upset in New England, then the Cowboys would be even with the Eagles in common games. So not very good if the Cowboys end up winning this game. Jimmy, how do you feel about this one, the Cowboys being six-and-a-half-point underdogs in New England? Yeah, the two games the Eagles have up on the Cowboys, by the way, are the uh, Packers, who the Cowboys lost to, and the Jets, who the Cowboys somehow lost to. Uh, so Cowboys plus six of Patriots. You know, this is one of those games that yeah. they win every year. Seahawks 2014 <laughs> in Seattle. They do it every year. They beat like this one stud team or perceived, last year. perceived stud team. Um, and then they wind up blowing some other easy game. They already blew mm-hmm. a game against the Jets. But I feel like I feel like the Cowboys are going to win this game, dude. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like the Cowboys are going to win this game. Well, that and the Patriots aren't that good, I think. Like, their their right, defense is exactly. very good. But their offense clearly isn't great. I think Brady kind of looks like washed-ish. Um, not impressed by with him at least recently. Anyway, I love I love the points here. Like even if you don't think oh, sure. Cowboys are going to win, Agreed. six and a half is like a lot of points. And I I really like. Unfortunately, <laughs> I really like the Cowboys getting the points here. And and just knowing this way or knowing the way this Eagle season has gone, I mean, it would be so it would be so like the Cowboys to win this game because that's all that's all Eagles fans are going to hear after that game. Oh, you know the, the Cowboys. They beat the Patriots in New England. Eagles couldn't beat them at home. Carson Wentz <laughs> couldn't beat Tom Brady. Dak Prescott could beat Tom Brady. Like it's that's just gonna, you just know that's going to happen. The, the so. Cowboys' offense is is awesome. Yeah, let's just it call is. it what it is. I mean, their receivers are very good. Randall Cobb has been great for them. Michael Gallup is really turning into a very good receiver, and Amari Cooper is awesome. So you're saying having good receivers matters. You know who else I like on that team, by the way, Blake Jarwin. Jason. Who the Eagles wanted to sign? <laughs> the Eagles wanted to sign him as a off their practice squad, and they said nope, and they promoted him to the fifty three. He's pretty good, dude. Yeah, and then That's their like offensive line, time. which I think is like wildly overrated. It's still a very good line, and mm-hmm. Dak is turning in like uh, like so. I have Dak. I just you know in my hierarchy this week, I kind of did my like top five for mm-hmm. MVP race, and I think I had him fourth. Okay, he's having a great year. He is, and I think the le- the like the teaching point or the, the learning lesson for the Eagles is like do what the Cowboys did in terms of like they've built an environment for him to thrive. Like they've given him the pieces to succeed. Yes, yes. Like and, and the Eagles have just not done that with Carson Wentz. Like I, I I think that's a huge difference between those two teams right now. I don't Ter- think Dak is is elevating terrible players to greatness. Like he has pieces there. Like Amari Cooper is a legitimate number one wide receiver to work with. The Eagles the, don't have anything close to that. The term they use is Dak friendly. Right. So yeah, I have them winning this game because I think they're going to be able to score against this team. Like, I mean, you're not going to you're not going to hold the Cowboys down for for an entire game. I don't think at, like the way they're playing right now, anyway. So they're going to put up at least twenty. The Cowboys' defense is a problem. So that's where they're not playing well. Is first of all, they can't even stop. They can't stop the run. You watch the the Vikings game a couple weeks ago. I mean, they just ran all over them. And then this past week, um, the Lions. I mean, Jeff Driscoll had a lot of rec- had a lot of rushing yards, but a lot oh, of that was a lot of that. I mean, it wasn't like scrambling, but a lot of that was like uh, on RPOs. So there were a lot of those were like designed runs. 
So they, you know, they earn those as rushing yards. And they, they've really had trouble stopping the run over the last, like, three or four games. And that's kind of opened up some other things in the passing game. Like, the Lions scored, what was it, 27 points? Yeah. And it would have been, you know, they, it was four touchdowns. With Jeff Driscoll and Bo Scarborough. <laughs> like, they were yeah. missing their starting quarterback and their starting running back. And I, I believe, like, an offensive lineman, too. So their defense is uh, not playing very well. But, again, as we saw... On Sunday, a Patriots offense isn't the juggernaut that we that you know people kind of know it to be. It's just not that it's just not that great of a unit. I think the Cowboys win that game outright. I'm definitely taking those six point five points, as you mentioned. Definitely taking the points. And speaking of taking <laughs> the points, yeah, this week's game between the Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. How are the Eagles favored in this game? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. And let's let's start it out by saying the Eagles were actually they three. opened as three point favorites, standard three point home favorites. Oh my god! They, they, they're saying these teams are equal. Are you kidding yeah, me? Like a team that is eight and two and coming off a bye. And the MVP the and the, like the MVP front runner. Yes. I, I, now it has since shifted. Uh, earlier today, when I looked, it is one and a half. The Eagles are only favored by one and a half right now, which is of course the line is saying that the Seahawks are one and a half point better than the Eagles ultimately. But I mean, the, the fact to me that the Eagles are getting any, or sorry, the Seahawks are getting any kind of points in this situation is crazy. And it seems like a no brainer to me. And by the way, the line is still one and a half, uh, which tells you a lot of money coming in on the Seahawks for what it's worth. It's crazy to me, Jimmy, how uh, this Seahawks team is getting points. I wanted to mention the injury thing real quick so we can get to it. Uh, in addition to Lane Johnson being out, Nelson Aguilar, as we mentioned at the top of the show, was out. And we still don't know if Jordan Howard and Alshon Jeffrey are going to play, right? Like, you don't have a sense on that. They were well, both Well, Jeffrey, Jeffrey didn't practice at all last week. So there's, yes. there, he wasn't going to play. This week, early in the week, he's a limited participant on Wednesday, okay. which is which is a good sign for him. Uh, Howard is still limited. Not clear for, cleared for contact. Not clear for contact yet. Nigel Bradham, full participant. So he's going, he's going to play this week. And then uh, JP was limited. That's probably just, you know, he's old. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, Rudy Ford is limited. Rudy Ford sucks, by the way. <laughs> how we call him one of the best special teams players in the NFL before many, the season. He said, he said fans were going to be excited for him. <laughs> what is it, like five penalties this year? He's at least four or five. Those are devastating, by the way. Yeah. Those are huge, especially on kickoffs where mm-hmm. – because the, the hold or whatever it is, or the blocking back or whatever it is, actually blocks blocks in the back are usually on punts. Holds usually happen on the kickoffs. And I feel like his been mostly on kickoffs. Those are devastating because the hold usually is going to occur like inside the 20, which means that you're starting inside the 10 after you mark those yards off. He's been terrible. Do you remember who the Eagles traded to get Rudy Ford? Yeah, it was a defensive tackle, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, Bruce Hector. <laughs> yep. Boom. And they got Hector back. So, man, they really they screwed over the Cardinals. Well, you said how he was trying to win every trade, and he did win that <laughs> he trade. He smoked the Cardinals on that trade. <laughs> Two for the price of none. Take that, Steve Kine. Eagles or Seahawks, Jimmy? Oh, Seahawks all day. <laughs> I have the Seahawks really? winning by, like, nah, I have winning by a touchdown. So I'm going to go, I don't know, like uh, 30 to 23. Uh, 30 to 23. Okay. I should have read you the over under, uh, over under here is 48. I will say 
the Seahawks win this game by a score of 28 to 24. Okay. I honestly do not feel like I, this is the first time I think I picked against the Eagles all season long. Or I guess, did I pick it against? No, I picked you them. You said they're going to tie, gonna tie last, week. last week. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I picked them to lose, then I should say. So hold on. Yeah. But if you pick them to tie, how do you uh, mark that against yourself? I don't know. It's a loss. <laughs> <laughs> did you pick that like on the website too? Uh, I did. Well, for, for my personal predict, I do a post that just predicts the game. Yeah. But then in our, obviously our uh, BGN standings, like I'm not going to predict a tie there. Like obviously I'm going to, I predict the, I have to pick someone in, in where we're picking literally just one team or the other. And we're not doing scores. We're just picking the, the pickums for the BGN staff. And I picked the Patriots. What is your uh, record so far this year? I am Benjamin Solak and I are both tied actually for first place in straight up pick them yeah. here at uh let me find it here at we are both 104 and 58. No, no, I mean the Eagles only. Eagles only? I don't know. It's not good. Wait, <laughs> what, is your, what is your what is your what is your what is your uh 104 did you say? 104 58. Mine is terrible on the pick Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm well, good. Like, I won. I won BGN Pick'em last year. I beat everyone. There, uh, on staff. <laughs> there was one week where uh, I was like three and ten. Mm. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I think it was. How? Oh, I was like four and nine. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot of upsets that one week. Yeah, I'm I'm ninety three and sixty nine and one, so I'm way behind. Ninety three and sixty one. Yeah, that's pretty bad for yeah, us. It's really bad. You'd be five, like five seventy four. Percentage. I think you'd be last place on BTN staff. My against the spread is always is always tight though. Yeah, but you don't you do you pick the games, right? You don't do every game. No, I pick like which I pick the ones I like. I do but every that's what, game. But that's what you would do if you're a better though. You wouldn't pick every you wouldn't go to wow. Vegas and bet every game. <laughs> Speak like, for yourself. <laughs> I guess you could. I guess a uh, lot of people do. I do yeah. it for the fun of it. And uh like I think last year I finished under for well, with the playoffs I might have finished ahead, I can't remember. But a couple of years there I think the first two years I started doing it or so, I was finishing above, and I was picking every single game. And right now, through week 11, and by the way, no one cares about any of this. <laughs> turned off the podcast by now. But I am 80 and 77 and 5 against the spread. So I'm above 500 against the spread. So if you're following every single one of my picks, you would have come out a little bit ahead. No, you would be behind significantly because they'd be losing on the VIG. Jimmy, don't <laughs> insert your logic here. Just listen to what I said. Ignore everything Jimmy said. Follow my correct picks. <laughs> but you'd have I'm ahead of, of the BGN community, by the way. <laughs> the community is only uh, so I like so I do my picks against the spread, but then I put a poll up for the the voters to kind of do their own, and uh, they are only seventy five, eighty two, and five. Oh, you're so therefore, beating the community. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm beating the community. Therefore, I know more than our readers. So everyone, take that. Listen to yeah, listen. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you listen to this podcast and read. BleedingGreenNation.com and Philly Voice, because we know more than you, and that's, that's why right. you're coming here. <laughs> nanner, nanner, nanner. We're smarter. <laughs> Wait, it's really endear ourselves. I'm just uh, kidding. Any, any final thoughts, Jimmy? I got none, my friend. Me too. Just six more oh, games oh, of this. Oh, no, no, no. We do have to discuss the one thing. Brandon first called me, so we do these on Skype. Brandon first called me on Skype. Oh, I was like yes. Chewing food. And uh, he asked me what I was eating. And he was, uh, I guess, uh, thrown off. <laughs> because I like to snack on croutons, and apparently that people think that's weird. I don't know why that. Why is that weird? It's just 
unexpected. I would say I don't. <laughs> I don't judge it. I I have like weird food habits and stuff, and I would I would never judge anyone for eating something that makes them happy. The most <laughs> well, you're. Part, I mean, I you're Wawa. Contra- yeah. I mean, that thing's crazy. I know. What was it again? I will, uh, uh, do, do you have that written down, or can you just rattle that off the top of your head? Uh, sadly, I have it written off. Uh, or no, I have it in my head. Um, uh, so it's a it's a classic Wawa hoagie. It is toasted. It is pepperoni, uh, cheddar cheese, it, lettuce, pickles, extra mayo, light oil, ranch, salt, pepper, <laughs> oregano, uh, this, the banana peppers. Or jalapenos, I kind of flip between either one, uh, and bacon, and I think that's it. They must like whoever gets that order must hate you, <laughs> especially if they're really busy and they see like nineteen things on the on the sheet come out. They're like this, <laughs> mf. <laughs> like they they really gotta hate you. It's a really good sandwich. Do you do it when it's busy? Uh, I don't do it that often. Okay. So if I did, it would it wouldn't. I don't. That's. I think I would die if I did. I think that that's often. fine. I think you can order that up. It's busy. It's fine. If you're getting one sandwich, it's fine. Yeah. My problem, and I mentioned this in my you know ten ways that we can all be better to each other. Wawa post. Um, mm. What I hate, and this is rampant at the uh, at the Jersey Shore, is you get people that will pull up in the Wawa and they'll order like fifteen sandwich. They'll order like fifteen hoagies. <laughs> Like what are you doing? Like and then and then there just becomes like this backlog of people. Like people yeah. start piling up near the deli counter, and it just takes forever because they got to fill this one jackass's order, and then like it just takes forever for you to get. Like just call ahead to an actual hoagie place on your way to the shore, and then pick it up. It'll be ready for you when you pull up. Just go. Just take two seconds to Google a place and order from like a real hoagie place. Get like like real actual hoagies. Not that Wawa doesn't have real actual hoagies. Yeah, but. what are you saying here? I, I don't appreciate this. I don't respect this. Also, I, does Wawa have like catering? Can you, can can you it, like call and like have them cater or something? You can, I guess you can call Wawa ahead too. Yeah, but, but, I, I, I mean, feel like there has to be. I would call. I'd be calling like a place like uh, like Giuseppe's or Luigi's or something. <laughs> Give me like some Italian sounding uh, restaurant, and they're gonna make my hoagie. Wawa does cater, and you can get in store pickup. So there you go. Why don't okay. you do that? Is Wawa sponsoring anyway? Because if so, yay, Wawa, yay. They're not, but um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I was going to bring this up as you were talking about this. Hey, if anyone out there knows anyone from Wawa, or if Wawa themselves, uh, which I don't know why they would be, but somehow Wawa themselves is listening to this podcast, hook us up. Let's uh, let's make something happen there. Let's get uh, Wawa to sponsor. Give us your money, please. Thank Let, you. Let's actually tweet at Wawa, which is at their handle. Let's, let's get a little, uh, little some... Like a grassroots movement going here, so you can tweet at Wawa. What should we do? Hashtag. Uh, what should we do for the hashtag, Jimmy? What's a good hashtag to get Wawa to sponsor this podcast? Uh, give us your money, Wawa. Give, hashtag. Well, I I think we need to make it. We need <laughs> give, to brand it. Give BGN Radio your money. Yeah, I like that. So Wawa. hashtag give BGN Radio your money, Wawa. Wawa. Wait, what? So what is it, Wawa? So hashtag. Give, Give BGN, BGN Radio, Radio your, your money, money Wawa. Wawa. <laughs> okay. Boom. We'll tweet that hashtag. out with this episode just to clear it up. And then make sure you guys tweet at Wawa so they can sponsor the podcast. Well, I'm boys with the uh, CEO of Wawa. We'll make it happen. Did I tell yeah. you that? I told you, you that off the air one time, right? Yeah. So that article that I wrote, the you know, 10 ways we can be better at Wawa, um, he replied on Twitter to that article. Because it went like it did pretty well. It went around a little bit. 
And uh, I guess it got his attention. And he replied, like, that's what we, that, like, these, these are the things that, that we are, uh, that keep us up at night. <laughs> and we discuss in the boardroom, you know, something to that effect. And so, like, he, and, like, I saw that reply. I was like, who's this guy? And then I clicked on his, on his profile. And it was the CEO of Wawa. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing that, that he read that. And actually, to take it a step further, so one of the biggest gripes that I have about Wawa is, uh, you know, when people pull up to the gas pump and then they go yes. inside, which is fine. I'm fine with that. But only if, like, less than 50% of the pumps are occupied. And also, like, it has to be, like, a super Wawa, too. They have to have, like, a lot of pumps. You can't do that at, like, a Wawa that only has, like, four or six pumps. You can't, you're not just not allowed to do that. But if you have a Super Wawa where there's like, you know, 12, 16, 18 pumps and less than 50% of those are occupied, then yeah, go ahead. Go inside while you're, while you're, you know, while you're getting filled up with gas. But if like, if it's more than 75% of the pumps are taken, just wait in your car and then park and then go inside and get your food. Don't have your car occupying a, a pump. And people are people are like waiting, and like it's done, and the and the pump is back on the handle, and your car is just sitting there, and you're inside like paying for your food. How how is your time better than everybody else's, scumbag? Don't do that. Don't be bad, <laughs> jerks. I Jerk agree. Store. I, I I would <laughs> so, also add that uh, I feel like you, like you got to be getting like a Gatorade or something too, right? You can't be like ordering like, a yeah, whole right. meal. You, you can't be getting the sandwich that you get. Your yes. banana peppers and your and your toasted and all that <laughs> garbage. You can't be getting that if you leave your car at the pump. It's, you got to be in and out. Yeah. And so, like, after I wrote this article, um, I would say like two or three weeks later, I people started sending me pictures of the pump where there's a they they started putting signs up saying like, uh, like you know like please be respectful, don't leave your car at the pump and go inside and. <laughs> Yeah, don't leave your car unattended at the pump. <laughs> so, uh, like, and because I'm I'm taking credit for that because the CEO <laughs> replied to me. For that. I'm taking credit. Well, the CEO the CEO replied to my article, and he Jimmy said, Kempsky said we have to make the change. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I think that's what happened. <laughs> well, if that's the case, I mean, if you're taking I... if you're taking credit for the Kirk Cousins statistic, I'm taking credit for that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I but I feel like if that's the case, then they definitely do owe you and by proxy then me and this podcast as a whole, whatever kind of sponsorship it is. If it's money, if you're giving me free hoagies, like we got to make something happen here. Come on, Wawa, we're giving you. We just gave you like thirty minutes, or not that many, but we gave you a ton of free advertising right now. So hashtag give BGN Radio your money, Wawa, and then at Wawa, their Twitter Twitter handle is just their name at Wawa. Make sure you tweet that at them, and uh, let's make it happen. Wawa legitimately is great. Like I lived in North Jersey for years, and I love it. There was one up there that they that they put up in Parsippany, right off at of Route 280, and that wasn't really that close to where I lived. But anytime I drove on 280, I would like kind of go a little bit out of my way <laughs> to go to Wawa because I didn't have it. Like I didn't have any Wawas near me, and they're actually now building one where my sister lives in Randolph, New Jersey, and I'm very, very excited about that. Because I do go up there every now and again. Uh, but it didn't exist there when I lived there. And whenever I'd come back to South Jersey, I would go to Wawa. Because like, I just missed it. So Wawa is great. 
It's just, you know, I criticize it on occasion because it's a very passionate subject for me. I love Wawa too. And now that this is a Wawa podcast, <laughs> uh, I guess we should wrap it up. All right. This has been BGN Radio, episode 93. I've been Brandon Lee Gatton. That has been Jimmy Kemsky, Philly Voice, myself from BleedingGreenNation.com. This has been BGN Radio. Make sure you continue to subscribe, rate, download, review, all those good things. Follow BGN underscore radio on Twitter. Follow myself on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Make sure you stay tuned for more episodes on this podcast feed with the Kist and Solak Show, the Babes on Broad, all those good things coming your way ahead of Eagle Seahawks, and then obviously all the post-game coverage heading into next week. We will talk to you next time here on BGN Radio. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.